Welcome to Destiny Spirit Church. This week's message is by our senior pastor, Donna Astern. It's so good to see everybody here tonight. For the past uh, few weeks, we've been talking to you about discovering the spiritual roots of our condition and how important it is that we remain grace-based. We don't need anybody pointing the finger and say, I know what's wrong with you. You know what? There's something wrong with probably everybody, right? Nobody's quite yet made 100% perfect into the image of Christ. And so we want to make sure that even if you think you know what somebody's root issues are, to treat them with grace and with kindness and compassion, you know? We're not here to expose you to anyone except yourself, right? You know, the Spirit of God is not a gossip. He does not go around and tell stuff about people just so everybody can feel superior. Is that right? So also, you know... I've had some people ask me about this, about, you know, well, is this legalism? No, this is not legalism. What we're saying is, if you have had prayer, if you have prayed the prayer of faith, had hands laid upon you, and if you still aren't healed yet, then it's time to look at something else. You know, I know there's some times, I mean, we've said and done everything we knew to do. Maybe we just didn't know enough. So this is what we're doing. It's not pointing the finger, but it's saying, look, We believe in faith. We have seen healings. We've seen miracles. We've seen dramatic things happening. But if you've been prayed for and you haven't got yours yet, we want to know what's going on. What's holding things up? Because God's will is that everybody is healed. He wouldn't have sent Jesus otherwise. He wouldn't have said so otherwise. Okay. We also have talked a little bit about that if you don't like yourself or if you are under fear, anxiety, and stress, this will compromise your immune system. It will make you openness acceptable. Remember I was telling you what Louis Pasteur said? It's not the disease germ. It's the medium upon which it falls. And so it's just like you can have two people side by side. One person is susceptible. The other one's not. And so what we want to do is look at what's going on inside of ourselves. How come I'm susceptible? And it may be because of things coming down through your ancestral line, but it might be because your immune system has been compromised because of your own thoughts about yourself, your attitudes about yourself, or given in to fear, anxiety, stress, bitterness, all kinds of other things. Also, we looked at um, Adam and Eve, how that Adam and Eve had listened to the invisible kingdom of darkness, and they spoke things and they got ideas that they did not know were not their own. And so they didn't know they were naked. They'd never been afraid before. They had never had those experiences. But those, the source of those feelings and those thoughts were from the kingdom of darkness. They were certainly not from God. Because Father God had never been anything but kind and loving and accepting to them. Also, as I was thinking about it this past week, you know, Peter did the same thing. Do you remember when Peter was talking to Jesus before Jesus went to the cross? And Peter said to him, you know, Lord, these things are not going to happen to you. And what did Jesus say? He turned around to Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan. Because see, Peter didn't know those were Satan's thoughts and words. He thought that was just him. And that's the thing is, if Peter thought, didn't know that Satan was manipulating his thought process and his emotions and put that idea in Peter's head, which he just spoke out. You know what? What has Satan been putting in your head and your emotions that you think is just you? And so we looked at the scripture about how the Bible says we need to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ because there may be some thoughts coming in that are not from God, they're not from ourselves, but they're from an imposter masquerading as your voice or as the voice of God. So we want to examine the things that are, that are going through our minds. I talked to you about demons crave expression. 
They crave expression. They're looking for somebody to voice the thing that they're saying because they want to be heard. The, the demon, the demon of, of uh, rejection wants you to feel rejected. He's not happy until you're all feeling rejected. You know how to make devils frustrated? Don't listen to them. Don't do what they say. It really frustrates them. But you know what? The devil will tell you, well, you know, they just don't like you. Well, maybe they're not even thinking about you. But you know what? If you buy into that, you can open yourself up for a spirit of rejection to come in and bring torment into your life. So demons will speak thoughts to you and wait for you to take those thoughts as your own so that they can have expression through you. What does a person look like who is experiencing rejection? You know, somebody who's eat up with rejection, they look down. They won't look you square in the eye. They'll avoid people, right? And many times they're rude and obnoxious because they just are waiting for you to reject them so they can prove themselves right. I knew they didn't like me anyway, you know? See, those are demons that, that do that stuff. We also looked at how that the word, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it splits, it will separate between the thoughts and intents of the heart, and it will show you the, the word of God and by the spirit of God will reveal to you what type of demonic activity is at work in your thought processes and also at work in your physical body. You know, it's only, only like 80% of diseases have a spiritual root. There's about 20% that don't. But you know, 80% is most. So instead of discounting and saying, well, there's probably not a spiritual root, why don't we look and say, well, maybe there is. And go looking at those things. For the other 20%, hey, I believe in a God of miracles. I believe you pray the prayer of faith and those things will happen. Amen? So whatever, we're going to use every tool, every resource at our disposal. And this is one that most people in the body of Christ have not wanted to talk about, have not wanted to look into. Because you know what's the truth, folks? We want it fast and quick. Faster than McDonald's, right? We want it easy and quick. I'll just hit the drive through prayer line and I'll get what I need. That's how, that's how we are in America, especially. If it didn't happen already, it's too long. It takes too long, right? And so, I mean, come on. How many of you ever prayed for something that took longer two minutes to arrive? And you get a little frustrated sometimes. You know, God wants us to have patience to have her perfect work. <laughs> Some things God is wanting to grow a little fruit in us. Also, when we have listened to demonic activity, we have listened to those thoughts and we actually meditate upon them that actually become part of our RNA. Talked about this last week. It actually becomes part of your physical makeup when you meditate upon things that demons have spoken to you. And it's time for us to fall out of agreement with what the devil has been lying because he lies to everybody. Sometimes Christians have told me, well, the devil told me this. I said, so? He's a liar. So? <laughs> That's a clue. Don't believe him. Oh, yes. If we wind up accepting and receiving those thoughts, we'll find ourselves with a, with a personality that is not genuine. We'll find ourselves with a fabricated personality because we're trying to accommodate devil's thoughts in with our own. And we'll wind up being people who are far short of what God has intended us to be, not reaching our potential. You see, God has told you 365 times to fear not. So if you've got fear operating in your life, that is not a picture of a bold son of God. Jesus never had any fear. 
So he was bold. He was confident. He walked in love. If you're having migraine headaches and upset stomachs, there's something going on inside your soul that needs adjusting. Because, you know, Jesus didn't have those things. And we need, to, we need to be able to cast off and put off the works of darkness, the Bible says. Last week, we also looked at the problem of indwelling sin. Paul said, the good I want to do, I can't do. The stuff I don't want to do, I wind up doing that. He says, I find there is a law within my members. There is a law of sin. There is a force of sin that's at work within my physical body that makes me do stuff I don't want to do. So the thing is, we have responsibility to, first of all, recognize that the problem is indwelling sin. I, I talked to um, someone not long ago and who told me about the condition, their physical condition. So I did the research for it, and I told them what the roots of that condition were. And, you know, the person's first response to me is, I don't have that. I don't have that. You know what, folks? If you've got the fruit, you've got the roots, so to be in denial and say, well, I don't have any fear. I'm not afraid of anything. I'm sorry. If you've got high blood pressure, you've got fear. You know, rather than justify ourselves, how about let God be true and every man a liar? How about we just accept the truth of the word of God and just get ourselves cleaned up and adjusted rather than argue, I don't have that. That's not really my problem. Or you don't know what you're talking about, right? I feel like that maybe sometimes we're just in denial and we just need to dig a little deeper and get down to it. You want to recognize the problem that we're facing and also the enemy behind it. We also need to take responsibility for what we recognize. If you recognize you've got a sin issue, whether it's fear or whether it's bitterness or self-hatred, whatever it is, if you recognize you've got that, you have responsibility before God to do something about it. Isn't that right? Then the Bible teaches that the bride of Christ makes herself ready. There's a thing that we have a personal responsibility to deal with stuff that we see. Now, if you don't see it, you can't deal with it, right? So we all have blind spots. There are things that, that we just don't see for whatever reason. But sometimes loving friends will help point it out to you. And other times, you're just in a mess, place like this, the word's being preached, and the Spirit of God begins to put his finger and say, you have this issue going on. Now, we need to take responsibility for that. That means, Christians, this does not mean that you go blame the devil for everything. The devil made me do it. You know, people blame the devil. They get sick and they say, oh, it's just an attack. It's just an attack. It's just an attack. Well, maybe it is just an attack. But how come you're susceptible? How come? What's going on? Instead of putting 100% of the blame on the devil, why don't we take responsibility for our part of being such a target, an easy target? Right? I mean, I just, I just want to know what's going on. How did he get in? How many of you have ever found some kind of a roach or a mouse in your house y'all done that what do you want to know how did he get in because <laughs> why because you want to make sure none of his friends come in isn't that right get rid of him and nobody else come in so it's the same thing the symptoms that we have if we address the roots they they will show us hidden places chinks in our armor places of weakness that we have so that we can shore them up and not have any of those other rats get in there all right, we want to also repent for what you recognize. Repent for it. You know, for participating with it. If you recognize that what's at work in you is bitterness, then folks, you've got to repent for bitterness. 
Yes, the devil came up and brought a hurtful situation to you and reminded of you of it. But remember, we're going to start separating the people from the sin. And so as that stuff is coming to your mind, recognize if you are bitter, if you are angry, if you hate yourself, you need to take responsibility for that and confess it as sin before God and repent. You see, not just blame the devil for everything, right? We want to also renounce everything that we are responsible for. Fall out of agreement. That means, folks, if you're entertaining self-hatred, you got to quit that stuff. You can't hate yourself anymore. You're going to have to start treating yourself the way God's Word says. And that means you got to love your neighbor as yourself. How can you love somebody else if you can't love your own self, right? But the Bible, encourage, the Bible commands us, not encourages, commands us to love ourselves. So if you realize you don't, you need to repent and renounce that thing. Also, we want to remove what's causing us to sin. What's causing you to sin may be just listening to those thoughts and replaying that painful situation in your memory over and over and over. You know, what's causing you to sin might be you watch too many scary things on TV. I'm serious. People, I'm going to tell you the truth. If you are a seer, you cannot watch scary things. You can't watch creepy things. That stuff will contaminate your spirit. And I know people say, well, I, it doesn't scare me. I just, it don't bother me. Then why? Why doesn't it bother you? Maybe because you've seared your conscience, you know? But there are things, you know, there are things that I remember f for years, I wouldn't let my kids watch a lot of the movies everybody else got to watch. And I said the reason was I didn't want a spirit of fear attaching to my kids. Do y'all know that some of those Disney movies are scary for little kids? They are terrifying. Snow White? That is a scary movie. Wizard of Oz? I know it's not Disney, but that's a scary movie. You know, and little kids, you know, they can get so afraid of that, a spirit of fear can move right in from a young age. And then when, when one comes in, what's he like to do? Bring his friends. That's right. So they can have a fear factor party, right? <laughs> oh, gracious. We resist the devil. The Bible says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It says, resist the devil. Because just because if, you've, if you have renounced, repented from this thing one time, that doesn't necessarily mean you're done with it. Because that thing is, knows how to push your buttons. So it's going to come back around and tempt you to open yourself back up to it again. How come some people go, why am I still dealing with this? I thought I was done with that. Have y'all ever done that? I thought I was done with that issue. Well, for one thing, we get healed and delivered in layers. But for another thing, sometimes it's just an old enemy trying to get back in. Just trying to see if you'll bite this time. Right? Bible tells us to rejoice. When we have repented and renounced and resisted the devil, we need to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always and praise God for the freedom he has given us. And then also the Bible teaches us that we are to restore one another. So as you are getting free, as you are getting healed, sanctified, and delivered, help somebody else get there. You know, you're going to have compassion. If you used to live in fear and you know somebody who's living in fear and you get delivered, you can go help them get past their fear, you know? You can show them what you have learned. If you struggle with low self-esteem or self-hatred, right, or insecurity, 
If you struggle with those things, you get the victory and then go help somebody else get free. Because you know what? These things are very, very common. I was talking to someone this week and they said, well, you've probably figured me all out, haven't you? And I says, well, you know what? Most people are not that complicated. You know, most people are not that complicated. And there's only so many roots behind diseases. I mean, there's just so, only so many. And so it's pretty easy to look. We, um, we um, were ministering to someone this past week, and, and I looked at the, the list of roots behind the conditions this person had mentioned. And I looked, and I was seeing such a dramatic you know, continuity, and it was like identical thing, identical roots for each one of four different conditions the person had. And so as I asked this person to tell me a little bit about their life, then I was able to see where the roots got in because of what happened in their life. So praise God. I mean, that means there's going to be freedom because now there's recognizing, there's taking responsibility, there's renouncing, and there's moving forward. We see people get free. The Bible says that we are to be dead to sin, right? Alive to righteousness and dead to sin. If we are dead to sin, that means we need to get used to being your brother's keeper. You know what? In America, we want to mind our own business and want everybody else to mind theirs. Isn't that true? But you know what? The Bible teaches we're our brother's keeper. And so we can gently go to one another in love and help people get the freedom that they need to get. Amen? Being responsible for one another. We also, if we're dead to sin, we need to love others in the midst of our own problems. I've got my own stuff I'm working on. I've been telling myself for weeks now. Okay? That's fine. But we're going to love other people while we're going through our own stuff. We're also going to practice separating other people from their sin. You know, we have for years and years, all of our lives, we have gotten used to thinking of that person as sin. It was that jerk of a boss. It was that idiot of a neighbor and that moron in the left lane. <laughs> right? And we identified their sin and our offense altogether. And we have not learned to separate the person from the sin. You know, thank God God did that. Otherwise, we'd all be crispy critters, right? But God has been able to separate you and me from our sin. That's how come He can love us unconditionally. Because He's not looking at you and all your junk. He's looking at you through the blood of Jesus Christ. And this is how we also are to be in His image. We also need to look at other people through the blood of Jesus. Now this means that when we forgive people, it doesn't mean that everybody is trustworthy. Some people are not safe. Some people are not healthy for you. You know, But you can forgive them and you can love them. And if you need to put a little distance between you and them, put a little distance there. That's just, that's just healthy patterns. But we're going to let love cover a multitude of sins. Because you know what? We're stuck with each other for eternity. So we're going to let love cover our sins. You know what? It doesn't take any special anointing talent to pick out what's wrong with people. It really doesn't. But it takes something else to let love cover those sins. Let me give you a little suggestion. Next time you're with somebody, some group of people, and they start wanting to criticize somebody that you know. They want to criticize, say, Brenda. Well, you know what I heard, Brenda this, that, the other. You know, you need to get in there, interrupt and say, you know what? Brenda is one of the kindest people I've ever met. Or I just love how she opens her home up to all kinds of people. I mean, find something positive that you can say about a person. 
instead of just join into, yeah, well, I didn't think much of it either. You know, don't join in that stuff, but just separate yourself from other people's sin. The Bible says not to be a party to other people's sin, all right? So we want to look to, and to find the good things there. Okay, that was my recap. My title tonight is Disease Prevention. Isn't that good? Disease Prevention? All right. God's will is healing. The Bible says in 3 John 2, Beloved, I pray in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. It is God's will that you and I are healed. The Bible says in Psalm 103, Blessed be the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits who heals all your diseases. You see, God's intention is that every disease is healed. That everybody is not just getting healed, but that you actually walk in divine health. What we are mostly doing in America right now is not healing, but we're doing disease management. If you're on medication, you're on disease management. That may be keeping you alive right now, okay? And there's no condemnation for that, but that's not a fix. That's a Band-Aid. I think we can all agree to that. I know people that take all kinds of prescriptions, but hate taking them. Don't want to be taking them. Well, let's get healed to where you don't need those things any longer. Amen. Because God's intent is that we are healed and delivered. Let's flip over to Deuteronomy chapter 30. I'm going to refer to a lot of scripture tonight, but we're not going to look up very many because it would take too long. But Deuteronomy 30. I do want to look at 19 because sometimes people are like, well, God's will is healing, so how come I'm not? And then what the devil tells you? Well, how come they got healed, but you didn't? Come on, you know, it's the truth. Everybody gets hands laid on them. They all got their healing. They got their miracle, and you didn't. And the devil says, see, God ain't going to heal you. That stuff don't work for you. God likes somebody else better than you. Or, you lousy Christian, where's your faith? It doesn't matter the devil any way to get you upset and aggravated, right? So... Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. This is God talking. That I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life. It's multiple choice quiz and there's the answer. Choose life. It's amazing that God has to say that. But he has given us a command You've got a choice. You've got life and death. You've got blessing and cursing. There, there's really not any other choice. It's one or the other. So make up your mind to always choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying, your vo- by obeying His voice, and by holding fast to Him, for this is your life and the length of your days. How about that? All of this choice between life and death, blessing and cursing, is hinged upon obedience to the Lord. By holding fast to Him, it's it's hinged upon loving God. Not just legalistic keeping a bunch of rules, but it's hinged upon love and obedience. So that it'll go well with you, your descendants, and this is your life and length of your days. Our choice is to cooperate. So when the Lord is saying, all right, you got a choice, choose life or choose death. So, so you're getting a situation, you get your feelings hurt. Somebody says something unkind, and you get your feelings hurt. God says, I set before you a choice, life and death, 
blessing and cursing. Which one you want? Well, when you get your feelings hurt, what you really want to do is retaliate, right? Or go feel sorry for yourself. Boy, if we could kick self-pity out of the church, that'd be great. Let's just kick it out. Why don't we? Let's just get rid of it. Because what the devil does is he's, you know, he's trying to get you into self-pity, get you into stewing over your pain, playing that thing over and over in your memory, and then start believing the worst things about this other person and about yourself. And what the devil wants is to keep you in unforgiveness. So if you're in unforgiveness, are you in the life and blessing side? No, you're not. If you're unforgiveness, you're in the death and curse side. You see, folks, it's a very simple choice. If you're, if you're in the fear side, which one are you in? You're in death and curse. You're not in life and peace, right? So we want to get every part of us out of the death and curse side over into choosing life. Like the Lord said, please choose life. Because, see, God wants you healed. He wants you delivered. But you've got to choose His way. You've got to choose His life. Jesus said in Matthew 16... 24 to 25, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but who loses his life for my sake will find it. Saving your life, if you want to save your life, you're going to have to lose it to God. I'm not talking about just being born again. There's a lot of born-again Christians whose lives are not lost to the Lord. They are saving and holding on to their own life, their own will, their own opinions, instead of releasing that thing to the Lord. You save your life by denying yourself and giving yourself over to the Lord. Jesus also said in Matthew 6, to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. He didn't say seek the kingdom second, or third, or when you get around to it, or after you've done your own thing. He's, when do you get everything added to you, folks? When you seek His kingdom first and His righteousness. That's when you get everything added. Some people get all mad at God for not answering their prayers. Well, how come nobody in God doesn't answer my prayers? You know, I, I prayed in faith. I spoke the confession of Scripture. Are you seeking first His kingdom? i got news for you. Most people are not seeking the kingdom of God first. Most people are seeking their own happiness first, their own lives first. It's evidenced by how you spend your time and money. Is it in service to other people or is it in service to yourself? I'm just telling you what the Bible said, right? That, I'm just telling you. It's in your Bible, Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Okay. So, but we have a choice. I mean, you can choose to seek it first. You can choose not to seek it first. It's still your choice. See, God's just going to give you a choice, life and death, blessing and cursing. His kingdom first or Satan's kingdom first, right? Our choice to seek his kingdom. James 1.8 says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We have a choice to be single-minded or a choice to be double-minded. To be single-minded is to have your mind fixed upon the Word of God, the kingdom of God. To be double-minded is going back and forth and can't stick to it and make up your mind. An unstable person, I mean a double-minded man, is unstable in not some of his ways, but all of his ways. Let me tell you, folks, your life does not need to be living like on a roller coaster. 
I've known some folks, they go from crisis to crisis, disaster to disaster, calamity to calamity. I was like, man, there's no way to live. You know, I want to live a nice, peaceful life. I really do. A nice, peaceful life. That's what I want. Seeking first the kingdom of God. Choosing to be single-minded. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but what? Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the kind of life that God intends for you and me to live. If you're stressed out, you're not living the life God called you to live. You know, we've all, I'm not pointing the finger. I'm saying, folks, we have to learn to choose life. Jesus had mobs trying to kill him. He wasn't stressed. He was in his Father's will, and he walked in the fruit of the Holy Spirit at all times. James says in 4.8, Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So this is a solution, folks. The choice is clear. Life and death or blessing and cursing. But we're going to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That means we're going to do it his way. We're going to believe what he says. We're going to have the words of our mouth line up with what he said. And then these things will be added unto us. All right, I've got 10 steps for disease prevention. Would you like to know 10 steps to prevent disease? Because you know what? I've been talking the last few weeks about the connection between your body, your mind, and your soul, about physiology, spirituality, all these things. But, you know, some of us, we're doing pretty good right now, but we just want to keep ourselves healthy, all right? Got no problems really going on. Or even if you've got problems going on, you still want to go towards health, no matter what's happening, all right? So the first, the first help for disease prevention is the power of thoughts and words. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What you think upon, as I talked to you last week about, actually becomes part of your RNA, part of your physiology. So if you spend a lot of time brooding, being depressed, hating, if you spend a lot of time doing all those things, you're going to wind up with that type of personality being built into you, and it will affect your physical well-being. John 17, 17, Jesus said, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify is a word that means to cleanse, to purify, consecrate, and to separate unto God. To separate. So Jesus said that we are to be sanctified in the truth of God's word. God's word is truth, and so therefore, as we immerse ourselves in God's word, we're taking his word to be our standard. His word is what we believe, this is what we speak, this is who we are. The Bible also says in Proverbs 18.21 that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So we're going to choose life so the things we're thinking about and the things that we're speaking are going to be words of life. I've heard people say stupid things. They curse themselves. They say, I guess I'll get fired next. Or nothing ever works out for me. Or I'm no good. I mean, even when they're being funny and sarcastic. Do you know that when you are sarcastic, you confuse your spirit? Because you know what? Your, your body doesn't read tone. It's hearing words. And when you say things like, well, I'm just no account. I'm just stupid. Your body says, okay, we're stupid, and begins to become a self-fulfilling prophecy. I told you this like two weeks ago. The same thing happens if you're depressed. And you start thinking about, man, my life is the pits. Nobody's life is as bad as mine. I just hate my life. When you think those things, those thoughts are from the devil, 
those things cause your serotonin levels in your brain to deplete. And when your serotonin levels go down in your brain, you don't feel very good about yourself. You don't like yourself very much. Why are people on Prozac? Why are they on Zoloft? And if you're on that, I'm not condemning you. Okay. But understand what's happening. The reason a person takes Prozac, Zoloft, those types of antidepressants is it has to do with the serotonin receptors in your brain. So what it's trying to do is it's trying to keep you from losing more serotonin. Do you know what else will boast, will boost your serotonin levels? Meditating on the Word of God and start thinking happy thoughts about yourself. You know, as we've got the Jack Frost handouts, I am Father God's happy thought. As you begin to think positive, good things about yourself, just like from God's Word, it will cause your serotonin levels to boost. Now, if you don't believe me, let me think about, let me tell you this in reverse. How many of you have ever woken up in a great mood, had a great day, and then something happens, and your mood is shot? We've all been there, right? What made the difference? It's what you started thinking about, right? It's exactly what you started thinking about is what made you go from great mood to awful mood. See? So if you're in the awful mood, put on some praise and worship, get out the scriptures, start meditating so you can get yourself boosted back up. Your serotonin levels will rise. You'll feel better about yourself, right? And it's cheaper than Prozac. This. <laughs> yeah, a lot cheaper. Hey, you know, some Christians, that's the reason they want to get healed because they've got these high, you know, prescription bills. Well, that's a great reason, but let's just get healed so because God's Word says so. And all that money you save on prescriptions, all right, we'll do something good with it, right? Take yourself out to dinner or something. I don't know. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 8, and, 8 through 10, that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God's raising the dead, we'll be saved, Right? It's confess it with your mouth and believe in your heart. So it's not just parroting a bunch of words, but it's also believing the things you're saying. Right? Because the scripture says that we are accepted in the beloved. When you're feeling rejected, that thought is not coming from God. So you can tell yourself, I am accepted in the beloved. God accepts me just like I am. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm wonderful. Don't you think you're wonderful? You ought to. You ought to be your own best friend. Hey, if you don't believe in yourself, why should we? Right? How about we believe in ourselves and believe what God has said about us? He says we're the apple of his eye. You know what the apple of your eye is? Literally, it means you're a pupil in your eye where the light comes in. But the apple of your eye means something very precious to you that you would protect with everything within you. Because if I move towards Brenda's eye, what's she going to do? She's going to blink at the very least, and her arm might rise up to stop my hand because she's going to protect the apple of her eye. Isn't that a great picture? God says you're the apple of his eye. So his heart is for you. It's to protect you, to build you up, and not to tear you down. Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay. The principle is speaking words of faith from the heart that results in salvation, including wholeness, healing, and deliverance. The second help is hold every thought captive. The verse that we have looked at a few times from 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Those strongholds in your mind can be brought down with spiritual weaponry. 
The Bible says to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Obedience of Christ. Now let me ask you this. Your body is picking up right now on what you're thinking. And if you're thinking, I'm ready to go home. I want to get out of here. Is she picking on me? You know, your body is responding to all that. As I told you a few weeks ago, your endocrine system is at work so that it's responding to every thought you're having so that if it can uh, shoot out some adrenaline if it needs to, shoot out some other kind of testosterone, whatever kind of hormones are going on inside of you. But your hypothalamus is working to restore that place of homeostasis in your body, everything in peace and harmony. So it's kind of like, you know how you ride a bike? And you got to keep correcting left and right to keep to keep yourself balanced. Your hormones are doing that. Your hypothalamus is sending that signal to all of your glands to keep you balanced. So there's always up and down, up and down. So whatever you're thinking about, your hypothalamus is interpreting those thoughts and squirt, squirting out the right kind of hormones into your whole system. The thing is that you know what you're consciously thinking about, but you don't know what you're unconsciously thinking about. And you've got unconscious things going on the inside of you. Your hypothalamus is still trying to regulate and control. See, that's why we've got to do this healing and deliverance. It's got to be a deep work of renewing the mind. You know, and it's a process, folks. We spend all of our lives becoming renewed and transformed by the Word of God. You know, there's been times I've been surprised what I have discovered deep on the inside of me. Because, you know, I've been a Christian for a long time. But you know what? Just because you've been a Christian a long time doesn't mean you've been renewing your mind consistently, right? There's a lot of us, we just got sloppy and lazy with it. And so things began to creep in. And we have, and then many of us, we have practiced ways of thinking, also known as strongholds. We've been thinking so bad and so critical of ourselves for so long, we don't even know we do it anymore. Let me ask you this. Have you ever walked by a, the, the front glass window of a store and seen your reflection? You know, you're just walking by and you glance over and you see your reflection. What's the first thought you have when you see that reflection? <laughs> Folks, you're revealing your internal programming. Oh, boy, what an awful looking person. Boy, is there any way to dress? can't believe they go out in public like that. And then you realize it's you. <laughs> but you know what? You're revealing your internal programming. This is how you feel about yourself. If you look in the mirror and, can't, and start being critical and despising yourself, you have been programmed by the enemy. Folks, it's time to get your mind renewed. One thing Henry Wright says that I think is really cute. He says, you're a gorgeous hunk of dust. <laughs> so you can look in the mirror and tell yourself, you're a gorgeous hunk of dust. I mean, come on. You know, people, and women are really bad at this. Let me just tell you something about women. Women, I tell all kinds of stories. What do you say? I expose all kinds of things. Women are always concerned what everybody else thinks about them. How they look. Men will go put on a bathing suit no matter if they weigh 97 pounds or 400. You will not find very many women who like to put on a bathing suit once they've gotten a certain age or once they've had a couple of kids. Am I telling the truth? Yes. Why is that? 
is because of that self-criticism. It's because of self-criticism that did not come from Father God, but it came from a lying spirit that you and I have been listening to. The Bible says expose the hidden works of darkness, folks. And the first thoughts you have about yourself are exposing that, you know. Do you know that when, when uh, Joshua sent the spies out into the promised land to go spy it out, right? Remember he sent out 12, 10 came back with a bad report. And what did they say? We're like grasshoppers. There's giants in the land. We're grasshoppers. Where do they get the grasshopper idea from? They didn't meet any giants who called them grasshoppers. They got it from the devil. How, if you see yourself as weak, as ineffective, as a disgrace, as ugly, as not worth loving, as anything other than what God says, you're seeing yourself as a grasshopper in God's sight. And you know what? That's how the devil sees you too. You know, you won't do anything great for God. The devil tells you you can't do anything great for God. Who are you? You're not educated. You're not powerful. You ain't got anything right. Let the professionals handle the ministry. Who are you anyway? You know what? You can't afford to be a grasshopper in your own sight. God never called them grasshoppers. What did God tell them? What did even Joshua say? We are well able. That's right. It was Moses sent the spies out. Excuse me. Moses sent the spies out. Joshua was one of the guys with a good report. Joshua and Caleb came back and said, We are well able. They said, Those people in the land, they are bread for us. That means we can chew them up and spit them out. Right? They had the mentality of an overcomer. And you know what God said about Joshua and Caleb? He says, my servant Caleb had another spirit. You see, the ten were listening to the lies of the kingdom of darkness. It was only two of them listening to God. Only two. You see, right now, who are you listening to? If you're listening to all the things about who you're not and what you can't do and da na 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 na, you're not listening to God, folks. Hold every thought captive. Let me give you the three-second rule. Three-second rule. You have a thought. Ask yourself within three seconds. Did that thought come from God or Satan or myself? Well, I don't know if that was Satan or me. I don't know if that was God or me. Look, let's just simplify it. Was that thought from God? If that thought was from God, accept it, receive it, meditate upon it. Think about it all the time. If that thought was not from God and you recognize that is not God's thought, that is a spirit of fear or, or hatred. Or, that is not God. You need to take authority over that thing and renounce it right then. If you hold on to that thought for longer than three seconds, once you know it's not God, that thing will start taking root and germinating inside of you. You just can't afford it. So three seconds. Give yourself three seconds. If it's God, hold on to it. Linger. Let that germinate inside of you. If it's not, get rid of it. You cannot afford to take somebody else's sin into your body. Maybe your boss, your mother, your spouse, your child, whoever, said something really hurtful and painful to you. Maybe they said you'll never amount to anything. You have to understand that is not God's thought for you, right? So you can't, I don't care who said it to you. Somebody you absolutely love and respect. You cannot take those thoughts into your body because that's sin to you. If I say something absolutely nasty and terrible to you and hurts your feelings, you need to recognize that was not God speaking through me. 
If that happens, even though I may be your pastor and you might love me and respect me or whatever, you can't afford to receive that thought. You can't afford to take somebody else's junk into yourself. So instead, we're going to have to take authority over it and say, you know what, that's not what God says about me. Not that you necessarily get into an argument with a person, but on the inside. No, that is not God, and I refuse to receive that thought. There are times when a thought comes, the easiest way for you to get rid of it is to openly rebuke it with your mouth. Because thoughts are silent, right? One day I was driving with my kids down the road, and I was, I mean, we were quiet. And all of a sudden, I begin to say, we will travel in safety. We will not have an accident. And my kids are going, what's that? What's going on? I was just dealing with a thought that kept coming to me about having an accident. You're going to have an accident today. So I said, no. Well, maybe that was God warning me. Well, it's like this. I'm still declaring the will of God. No, I'm not going to have an accident. You know, sometimes, folks, it's that you just let this internal tape recorder go on and on and on and on and on and on. And you look at your clock, it's been two hours, three hours, four hours. We've all done it. And it's still bugging you. You're still thinking about it. Instead of, let's take authority over it and cast it out and replace that thought with something positive, something from God. Amen. The third help for disease prevention is heart attitude. Heart attitude. Learn to love what God loves and learn to hate what God hates. I told you recently about how much I hate envy. I hate envy because God hates envy. See, there's lots of us, we don't hate the same things that God hates. You know, God hates prejudice. You know, God hates racism. You know, a lot, of, a lot of people call themselves Christians, but they don't hate racism. I hate unemployment. Do you hate unemployment? These are ungodly things. And I hate watching people whom Jesus died for tear themselves down with their own words. I hate that with a passion because God hates those things. Let's love the things that God loves. You know, in Psalm 139, 22, David is writing, and he says, about my enemies, he says, I hate them with perfect hatred. They are my enemies. I hate them with perfect hatred. He said, search my heart. See if there's any wicked way within me. I want to hate the things that God hates. God hates things that keep you out of your destiny. He hates things that keep you out of your receiving his love. He hates things that keep you bound. He hates that disease you got with a passion. You got to hate it too. You know, some people don't hate their diseases. Some people enjoy their diseases because they get all kinds of attention. Maybe they get weighted on hand and foot. Maybe it's because they like all of people, you know, hovering around them. I've known people like that. I'm telling y'all, that's twisted. That is twisted. The Bible says in Psalm 119.11, Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. You know that God is looking on the heart. There are things that we can talk about. Say, let's talk about envy again. Say that I absolutely, I absolutely do hate envy, but right at this moment, I am feeling envious. Then I hate the fact that I'm feeling envious because God hates that I'm feeling envious. God is not going to judge me for a sin that I hate. Understand that. God's not going to judge you for a sin you hate. If you find yourself where Paul was in Romans 6, 7, 8, 
find yourself a slave to something that you absolutely hate, you know, that God will give you grace and time to repent. He will protect you while you're in that place of hating sin. But you know what? There are people that don't hate sin. The Bible talks about there are people who love a lie. They love gossip. They love sowing division and strife. There are people that love that stuff. What's going to happen is they're going to wreak things in their lives and their physical body because of it. You know, maybe you're just not where you need to be regarding sin. Make sure you have the right attitude towards it. That even as you're working out your own salvation with fear and trembling, that with the grace God provides, you're going to reject that sin and turn from it and walk away from it. The Bible says in Psalm 423, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. Watch over your own heart with diligence. That means pay attention to what's going on inside of there. Do you ever ask yourself why you behave certain ways? Or why do you think that way? Or how come you feel this way? There have been times I've asked myself, Donna, why does that bug you so much? I, you know, I was with somebody the other day, and, and something really annoyed this person. And... It didn't bother me at all. And they said to me, doesn't that bother you? I said, no. Why does it bother you? Well, that's just how I am. That's the voice of the devil. That's the voice of the devil. That's just how I am. Folks, guard your heart. Guard your heart against guilt. There are too many Christians that are laboring under guilt. They feel guilty about their sin. They feel guilty about their sickness. They feel guilty about whatever's going on in their lives. You need to guard your heart. It does not need to be weighed down with guilt. Guilt will cause you to retreat from God's presence. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. He does not bring condemnation. When the Holy Spirit brings conviction, it is very specific. He speaks to you exact precise details of what you did and you don't you know that you know that you know that you know right i mean he's very very clear the devil however spawns condemnation and condemnation is always vague it's always uncertain you're just a lousy person you're a terrible person what a bum what a jerk those are just words of condemnation Holy Spirit is very specific. So therefore, you can't take in that guilt. If you feel condemned, you feel guilty. If you're feeling guilty, you need to ask yourself why you're feeling guilty. Well, but I screwed up so bad. Okay, did you confess your sin? If you confessed your sin before God, if you repented from that thing, you are not guilty any longer. And feelings of guilt are not coming from God. They're coming from the enemy. And you may have to practice feeling not guilty for a while. Because you get used to it. Some people, they spend their lives feeling guilty. You know, I was thinking about another situation a couple days ago. I got a little revelation that helped me. I think it's going to help you too. I was thinking about someone I know who is facing a couple challenges in their life. And I found myself starting to worry about what they were going to do. And it dawned on me. That's their problem. (laughs) That's not my problem to solve. That's their problem to solve. Y'all, I got a revelation. Isn't that simple? Isn't that profound? So I determined, you know what my responsibility is? Is to pray for them, to be a support, you know, a friend, 
And if they ask me for some ideas from how to solve their problem, I can do that. But I can't take on all y'all's problems. That would be sin for me to take on your problem. Instead, I can pray for you, prophesy, break some things, give you some teaching. But that's for you to sort out. You figure it out. I figure my own stuff out. Does that help anybody else besides me? That helped me a lot. <laughs> Great deep revelation. Help me out. Also, folks, guard your heart against doubt, unbelief, and discouragement. If you have been standing and believing God for your healing, you're dealing with your roots, you're dealing with your fear, you're de- dealing with your bitterness, all these things, and it's still not manifest, you're still sick, you've still got the conditions going on, have a little patience. Have a little patience with yourself. You know, you probably didn't get that disease overnight. It might take a little bit of time for your healing to be complete. Remember, there were some people Jesus prayed for more than one time. The blind guy, remember? I see men as trees walking, prayed pray for them twice, right? What about there were the ten lepers that came to Jesus, and Jesus said, spoke a word of healing over them, and they all took off running, and one came back and gave thanks. The Bible says that one that came back and gave thanks was made whole. There's a difference between being healed and being whole. Being whole is having parts restored. You know, being healed is the thing is no longer bleeding or no longer disease or whatever. But wholeness is restoration. I believe we want to see more and more miracles of wholeness in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Check your motives and start noticing what you do, why you do what you do. Ask yourself, why does that bother me so much? Ask yourself, why can't I let this go? What's going on? And let's get to the root of these things. Number four, help for disease prevention is sustaining grace and greater grace. God gives us sustaining grace in the midst of every current challenge that we face. So if you're faced with some particular kind of disease, sickness, God gives you grace to get you through it. But he also releases greater grace into our lives. And we are to work out our own salvation with the grace that he supplies. See, grace is God's ability being released towards you, his favor, his ability. So you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And God will give you the grace you need so that you are victorious in every challenge and every situation that you face. You know, sometimes people say stupid things. This will be the death of me yet. Don't confess that kind of mess. Say, no, I will overcome by the grace that God supplies. God will bring me through. He always causes me to triumph by Christ Jesus. So what the scripture declares, amen. Jesus has already paid the price for your healing. So ask him how to appropriate that healing. He's already paid for it. What is it that you're not getting? Ask him to help you appropriate, that is to apply your healing so it actually manifests in your body. You know, the, the cross, the blood of Jesus, the cross of Jesus paid tremendous price. But it was, it was sufficient price for my healing and yours. Now, step number five, health and disease prevention. I think this is probably one of the top three out of this list of ten that I'm going to give you. And I want you to understand this very carefully. This is something that's going to help you a lot. Number five is overcome the spirit of fear. Overcome the spirit of fear. The Bible says what? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Right? In 2 Timothy 1, 7. 
Say, okay, I'm not afraid of anything. Folks, what is your greatest fear? You need to know what it is. If I mention a few, what is your greatest fear? You're afraid of going bankrupt? You're afraid of your family member dying? You're afraid of what? Coming down with some terrible disease? What is your greatest fear? Identify what your greatest fear is and deal with it. Run to the battle. Run to your Goliath just like David did. Don't wait for that thing to come grab you. Know yourself. Know what you fear and decide you're going to deal with it first. If you deal with your greatest fear first, what's going to happen to all the rest of those fears? Once you get victory over your greatest fear, every other fear you've got is going to pale in comparison. It's going to be no big deal, right? Do you think the devil knows what your greatest fear is? Do you think he plays and works that thing against you? Absolutely he does. So instead of waiting for our buttons to get pushed again, why don't we decide to take every thought captive and make it a faith project to deal with your greatest fear? You see, the fear is just a lie the devil's spoken to you. Go after that one fear that you have never been able to overcome. There are some of us, we've overcome some fears, lesser fears, over time, right? There are some things you're no longer afraid of that maybe you used to be. I'm not afraid about standing up in front of public and speaking. Public speaking is a major fear that most people have. It may not be the biggest fear you've got, but it's a very common fear. I don't have a fear of public speaking. doesn't mean I never had it, but I don't have it now. It doesn't bother me now, okay? So, whatever the fear is that you've never been able to overcome, Decide you're going to go after that thing now. Not next week, not next month, but we're going to deal with this thing now. How are you going to deal with overcoming the spirit of fear? You're going to get your mind renewed with the Word of God. Meditate upon the promises of God. And determine to build faith in the area where you have had fear. And determine to resist that fear. What did James say? Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. As you draw near to God and draw near to his word and you resist that fear, that thing is going to eventually be gone and be broken in your life. What would happen if everybody in the body of Christ got free from fear? Oh my goodness. I'm here to tell you. If the body of Christ got free from fear, evangelism would skyrocket. Offerings would skyrocket. Right? That's just two things that would happen if people got freer, freer. And people would be bold. They would be adventurous. They would take on whatever God said, go to the Himalayas. You're right, I'm there. They would do whatever the Lord said very quickly if they got rid of the fear. Why else? When doesn't the devil, I mean, why not? The devil wants to keep everybody in fear because if he can keep you in fear, you'll never do what God wants you to do. You'll never fulfill it. Let's just make our determination. We're going to get rid of this mess. You know what? I'm not going to serve as an idol the spirit of fear. I don't care what your doctor told you. I don't care what your banker told you. I don't care what anybody told you. If there's a spirit of fear in operation, we're going to resist that thing. And it will not have dominion over us. 
We're going to choose to be men and women of bold faith. Amen? Amen. All right. God's going to deliver you. I'm here to tell you, God is faithful. You do it His way, and you choose faith instead of fear, and God will deliver you in the midst of your fear. Deliver you in the midst of it. We just wish He'd deliver us so we never had to face it again. How do you know you're unafraid when you face it? This sounds scary. Somebody getting nervous already? Well, if I have to face this, does that mean it might try to come true? I'm here to tell you, the, fear, the spirit of fear will try to attach itself to you. But God will, God will be faithful to you, and you can trust Him to bring you out of it, doing things His way. God will show Himself strong in your life. We've got so many examples in Scripture of men and women who did it afraid. You know, what about Queen Esther? I mean, she took her life into her hands, didn't she? She went before the king without a request, without an invitation. She took her life within her hands, and she was afraid. I mean, she even told Mordecai, you know, I can't go in there. He's not called for me. He'll kill me. Mordecai says, hey, if, if bloodshed's coming, you're not going to escape. You know, better die with the rest of us than not. And so, that's my loose paraphrase, by the way. But God wants to show himself strong on your behalf. You know, David ran towards Goliath. You know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they just got up in the fire. You know, they, didn't, they refused to recant on, on the pain of death. And what happened? They got a tremendous miracle in the midst of it. What would happen if you faced your fear? Maybe you might see a dramatic miracle. Amen? I want to stir you up, exhort you. What's going to happen is that once your major stronghold of fear is broken, all future fears are just little temptations. When you get tempted to fear, you'll remember that you've already faced your greatest one. So what's that little pity anything? God will take care of me again. Your ability to trust in God is going to increase. Hallelujah. Number six, help for disease prevention. Desire what He desires for you. The Bible says in Psalm 37, 4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Ask God to give you His desires for His will. Delight in yourself. What does He want for you? Ask God, God, I just want what you want for me. Give me so that I can desire the exact same things that you want me to desire. When you desire what God desires for you, it will also put you in a place to where you can be in any situation and you cannot lose your peace. When you want what God wants for you, you know He's going to give you the desires of your heart. You can be put in any situation, not lose your peace, not be controlled by the circumstances. And when that happens, you are also in a place of immunity to disease. It's he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, right? Disease can't get in God's shadow. Disease can't get that close. See, God's after you being a man or woman of peace. Somebody who knows their God. The Bible says those that know their God shall be strong and do exploits, right? As you know your God and you're in that place of peace, you're immune to disease. Because remember what's disease? But dis-ease. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. It's what's going on inside of you, folks. 
You can be the person who is hysterical and freaking out, or you can be the person who is calm and trusting God. If we're the person who's calm and trusting God, then we are doing what the Bible says, and we are no longer giving place to the lies of the enemy. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.27, neither give place to the enemy. Neither give place to the devil. Give him no opportunity. See, when a challenging circumstance comes to you, you'll be like Jesus. I only do what my father tells me. I only say what he tells me to say. He told me to be here. So I can't, I mean, that's the devil telling me I'm going to die. I can't die. I'm just right where God told me to be. I'm doing what God told me to do. So it doesn't matter. The circumstances come. We win. We overcome every time. Not going to be controlled by it. Not losing your peace. What makes you lose your peace? Are you reacting to circumstances? Or are you responding in peace? Remember, choose life. Choose blessing. Choose to be spiritual. Hmm. All right, number seven help for disease prevention is walk with God. Walk with God is different than being born again. The Bible tells, tells us about in Genesis chapter 5 about how Enoch walked with God. Walking with God speaks of fellowship and relationship. There's a lot of Christians who know the Lord because they gave their heart to Jesus, or so they said. They prayed the sinner's prayer, but they don't have any ongoing relationship with Him. You know? There's not any real exchange of information going on between the two. Fellowship with God, walking with God, ask God to make you hungry for Him. If you recognize you just don't care that much, Folks, sometimes we've got to be brutally honest. How come your heart is the way it is? Because you just don't care that much. I should care, but I don't. Ask God to make you hungry for Him. Hunger for God is what's going to make you pursue Him. Not a legalistic group of people pointing the finger telling you to do this and don't do that. As we are going to walk out your healing, your physical healing, walking out your healing is is the same thing as fellowship with God. Because it's just like we've taught you in counseling. When your mind has been programmed the wrong way and we give you a new set of beliefs based upon God's Word and you spend weeks and weeks meditating upon those so that your mind is being renewed, the same thing is happening. As you're meditating upon God's Word, you're engaging in fellowship with God, aren't you? You're engaging in fellowship. You see, your healing is not going to come separate from God. It's not going to come separate from his life and his presence and his power in your life. So it's, the thing is, is to run to the Lord and ask him to make you hungry so that you can walk in fellowship with him. As you trust him in the area of your bondage and the area of your disease as the area of your captivity, he will empower you to resist the devil. You trust in him to get you through it. You know, folks, you need a savior every day of your life, not just when you got born again umpteen years ago. But you need a Savior today. You need help today. You need help to overcome that fear. Help to be able to forgive. Help to be able to love yourself, right? You need that right now. Amen. Amen. Number eight. Love the commandments of God as much as you love the promises. Oh, we love the promises of God, right? But in Psalm 119, David, or the psalmist says, you know, I love your commandments, your statutes, your ordinances. I love what you command. He said, these things are life to me. These things are health to me. 
There's a lot of people that love the promises, but they don't really care about the commandments. But Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Obedience to the Lord is not, again, it's not legalism. What this is, is it reveals how much you love God. One who is mature in love finds it easy to obey. If we're not having, you know, an easy time obeying, that means we need to grow in our love for God. Because when we absolutely begin to know the love that God has for us, it's a pleasure to obey Him. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is not a negative, you know, sour type of thing. Obeying God is joyful. The joy of the Lord is your strength and will give you the ability to overcome all disease, all sickness, and challenges that you're facing. Number nine, pray without ceasing. Keep the lines of communication open towards the Lord. Doesn't mean that you have to be, you know, our Father who art in heaven all day long. But what that means is that your thoughts are often of the Lord, that you turn your thoughts to Scripture, that you have an attitude of prayer and listening to where God can speak to you. You know, you know we, we've done this before. Those of you who have taken prophetic training, what are we mainly trying to teach you to do is to get you to listen. Start looking, expecting for God to say something, to show you something, right? So as our heart is, we want to not just live like that Saturday nights at church, but live like that 24-7. What is God saying to me? And have a heart open. Now, probably like me, you've been surprised at times, the Lord's voice. You know, driving down the road, mind your own business. And all of a sudden, the Lord just kind of blurts, you know, interrupts, blurts in. I've had that happen to me on a few occasions. And usually, that type of a word that he spoke to me was something a little bit tough. Because <laughs> I wasn't really listening. You know? We want to maintain a listening ear for his, vo- for his voice. Folks, we love the manifest presence of God when we come together and worship him. But you know what Jesus said? He said he would never leave us and never forsake us. He said he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us always, forever. So whether you feel God's presence when you're at home reading your Bible or not, he's there. Whether you feel him when you're driving down the road, he's there. Because he is faithful and he is never going to leave you. The times when you don't feel him at all, that's just feelings, folks. That isn't the truth. God will, I mean, the devil will tell you he's, God's not there. But you know what? We know that he is faithful. So even if you're not feeling very spiritual, I don't feel very holy. I can't really pray really good right now. Understand, it doesn't matter because he's there anyway. He's there. He knows what's going on inside of here. You know what you were thinking? You know about the attitude you have? You know what? Jesus got his hands dirty with sinners. He, let him get dirty with yours. You know what I'm saying? As far as run to him. I've done it before. It says, God, I have a crappy attitude. <laughs> One day I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I can't stand all this flesh in this house, including my own. <laughs> Seriously. I, I was, my family was driving me up the wall, and I was driving myself up the wall. <laughs> so just like, God, I hate all this stuff. I hate all this flesh. You know, because he's the one to go to with that stuff. He's the he's solution, folks. Very present help in time of need, right? Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find 
grace to help in time of need. It's when you need him is to come boldly. God, I need you really bad right now. I need you to come in and keep me from saying and doing something that I'm going to regret later on. Hallelujah. You know, those are honest prayers, folks. Honest prayers. You might as well be honest. He knows exactly what's going on inside there. Amen? Might as well be honest. People get afraid of telling God stuff. Like, he knows it. <laughs> you know, I said, you know what? I said, remember all things are naked and open before the eyes of him that we have to do with? He hears your thoughts as loudly as he hears your voice. So, okay, we need to just, he's he's a solution, guys. He's the one to run to. All right, step 10 is trust God. Proverbs 3, 5 to 8 says, Trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean upon your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. How about that? Trust the Lord connected with healing. It will be healing to your body. Trusting in the Lord. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 13, that have to take up the full armor of God so we'll be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. When we've done everything, then you stand firm and trust God. Say, well, what, what's everything? Well, everything is things like, did you uh, get prayer? Did they anoint you with oil? Did somebody lay hands upon you? Right? How about, did you recognize your sin? Did you repent from it? Did you renounce it? Did you decide I'm not doing that anymore? Separating yourself from that fear, from that anxiety, from that anger, all those things. Repentance is not just being sorry. Repentance is not just being sorry. Repentance is walking away from it in an opposite direction. That's where the Bible says, Let him that stole steal no more. You see, there's a lot of times a thief is sorry he got caught. Not sorry he stole. All right? But we want to be people who have turned away from those things. Jesus said in Matthew 3, 8, to therefore bear fruit in keeping with repentance. If we have genuinely repented, then let's bear fruit of repentance. If you have repented from worry, that means you're going to deliberately work on trusting God, aren't you? If you have repented from bitterness and rage, that means you're going to forgive from the heart and to be kind to other people, tender-hearted, right? You know, when I read that the other day, it reminded me, the Bible says, be you kind, tender-hearted to one another, you know, forgiving one another. I thought, God tells us to be kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving because God is kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving. That's another revelation, isn't it? I'm just rolling with the deep revelations tonight. But, I mean, think about this. God is telling you and me to be kind. Then why are you afraid to go to God with your issues? Aren't you expecting Him to be kind? I tell you, I, I, I really, sometimes there is, there is a thing, a stronghold in our thought processes that's just ungodly and has got to go. I remember a few years ago, I was going to my oversight about a situation I was facing, dealing with, and as I was being honest and truthful and telling them the situation, I kept expecting to get rebuked. 
I kept expecting to just get, you know, verbally kicked for it, for what I was saying. But you know, my oversight has always, always, always treated me with kindness. And I got to thinking about that. Why am I anticipating a rebuke when this is a godly man who's going to obey the scriptures and will be kind to me? Nothing wrong with him. Something was wrong inside of me, right? Folks, are you expecting God to be kind to you? Are you expecting Him to forgive you? To be tender-hearted to you? When somebody is tender-hearted to you, they're gentle, aren't they? They're not there to chew you up. They're there to treat you with compassion. Within your weakness, in your place of, of inadequacy. Well, that's another revelation. Let God help you with that. You know what? Love yourself. It's the biggest favor you can do for yourself, is love yourself. Also, in re- fruit of repentance means love yourself. It also means love the person who became one with that sin that offended and hurt you. Love the person who offended you. They just became one with sin. We're going to learn to separate people from their sin. Forgive everybody. I don't care what they said, what they did. If you're breathing, you've been hurt. So forgive everybody. Because you can't afford to take that thing into your body. And remember that Jesus fulfilled the law of God completely. God's commandment of love fulfills the law completely. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name. Father, we want to be men and women of holy boldness. Men and women who run hard after you, who are hungry for you, who receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to save our souls. God, we want to be people who are quick to respond to your, your commands and people who are completely free from fear. God, I pray for great grace over these people. Father, I pray you give every last one of us the grace to face our fear. That God, that we can get victory over those things in Jesus' name. Father, we are choosing to prevent disease. God, we're choosing the life and the blessing that you have set before us. So, Father, we choose to resist fear. We choose to resist sin. We choose to take advantage of the grace that you're releasing into our lives. And, God, we're going to choose to love ourselves like never before. Hallelujah. I speak blessing to you. I know this has been long tonight. I speak blessing to you. I speak grace to you. And I want you to be healed and healthy and strong. You are mighty men and women and boys and girls. God dwells in the congregation of the mighty. This is how he sees you. Strong and powerful, victorious and free, happy and delivered. And I speak that to you. And I declare that we're going from glory to glory, folks. We're going from grace to grace. We're going from victory to victory. And we are always overcome in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Destiny Spirit Church or additional teaching CDs or training events, please visit our website at www.destinyspirit.com or you can write to us at Destiny Spirit Church, P.O. Box 15858, Chesapeake, Virginia, 23328. Thank you.